0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. The strongest comments yet about Zayvon Collins. Expectations just rose a little bit higher. The expectations for Isaiah Simmons are also high. We'll get into what Vance Joseph had to say. But first, there's nothing wrong with dreaming. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 426. And it starts now.
1: Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side defense, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealoux
0: and Mike Jarecki. So you've said it off today, MJ, and it's worth repeating, this isn't fantasy football. Sure, Bird Gang, go ahead. Dream about a DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, A.J. Green trio, but don't expect the dream to become a reality.
1: The situation is that clearly he wants out of there. Um, they made a decision to where, you know, they drafted Kylie Pitts with the fourth overall pick. Um, they believe in Matt Ryan, according to a story I read earlier that uh, Julio made some comments that maybe Ryan doesn't have the same zip on his ball. Now, again, I think Pitts is a guy that can play tight end wide receiver. Um, clearly he's going to be involved in a passing game. They're going to run the ball. He's going to get him in space. So yeah, you can see the writings on the wall. And this is what happens when you bring in a new general manager and um, Terry Fontenot, and then you bring in Arthur Smith, they both got six year contracts. So this isn't about this, this year, but they want to compete in that division. So um. He ruled out the Cowboys. I, I got He did mention um, he would like to play for a contender. I still think he could be productive. I know he hasn't played a ton of games in the last year or so, uh, but obviously he would make your offense a lot better. I, I just don't know salary cap-wise. I mean, I always say you can find a way, uh, but I do think he's going to have some suitors. And then it comes down to compensation. I mean, I don't think he's going to get a first-round pick. The Falcons could be a couple of twos. They may want a player involved. Um, you know, so it, it it's more to just making the trade. There's got to be, it's got to make sense for the salary cap, but adding a guy like Julio, man. And the That's reason so this, dreamy. exactly. It, it,
0: you know, look, D hop on Friday caused a stir on social media. He indicated he would be willing to restructure his contract to help facilitate the trade for Jones, which is great. You know, I applaud him and yes, every little bit helps. Yet, it's just, you always talk about positional spending. Well, you've got Hopkins, you've got Green. Right now, you've got 13 wide receivers on the roster, none of them named Larry Fitzgerald. And yeah, it would look incredible to add a talents of a Julio Jones, who, yes, is 32, only played nine games last season, and he is under contract through 2023. A lot to like there. It's just I understand the fascination with the fan base and to see him in a Cardinal uniform. I just don't know if that really makes a whole heck of a lot of sense, especially when you're talking about the team as a whole and where the needs are and where you're still maybe lights as far as tight end cornerback. Yeah, it would be an incredible offense. I just don't know if it makes a lot of sense financially that, that you know, from a financial standpoint.
1: I mean, if you look at it, though, Craig, I mean, Hopkins obviously is making a lot of money, but Rondell Moore is going to be on a rookie contract. Christian Kirk's going to the final year of his rookie contract. Andy Isabel is on his rookie contract. Keyshawn Johnson's on his rookie contract. So it's in A.J. Green signed, what, between 4 and $6 million based on incentives. So really, um, you know, they're not paying a whole lot to their tight ends just because they weren't able to retain Dan Arnold. Um, They really haven't paid a whole lot of money to the running backs because Chase Edmonds will be a free agent after this year, could get extended. And you're paying your offensive line, you know, a good chunk of cash. And rightfully so with Rodney Hudson, the number one center in football, DJ Humphrey still hasn't reached his peak. Um, You know, at left guard, Justin Pugh, be interesting to see the competition there. So technically if you, you know, again, you can can have some avoidable years in there, but I, I, I don't know how feasible it really is at the end of the day. And
0: if a team wants to, as we've seen this past offseason with quarterbacks, as far as these large contracts and, oh, you can't move this quarterback because he's making too much money, that's that that that's been thrown out the window this offseason. If Matthew Stafford, if Jared Goff can get moved, then anyone can get moved and any team can do anything to fit someone on their roster. And I'll say this, you know, this would certainly – obviously help the wide receiver room but i'll make two points one in my opinion it would not close the door on larry fitzgerald because if Fitz does want to play the team will find a way and maybe he is the fourth wide receiver or the fifth wide receiver the team though did add a wide receiver since the last time we've had a chance to discuss things with the bird gang and it is an interesting player for no other reason than just his measurables talking about antoine wesley Six foot four, 206 pounds. He's been in the league the past couple of seasons, but hasn't seen time in a game on Sundays. Undrafted out of Texas Tech. I'll get to that in a moment. On the Baltimore Ravens practice squad, he was on IR last season. But the connection with head coach Cliff Kingsbury, and that's the Texas Tech connection, when in 2018, Wesley was an All American, over 1,400 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, and it's the height at six foot four a la aj green this team doesn't have a lot of height at the wide receiver position i don't know much about wesley but it is someone to pay attention to perhaps this offseason once we see him on the field he obviously hasn't had any success so far at the pro level but it is someone kingsbury is familiar with
1: and that's important because he, he i mean obviously cliffs uh you know had to change a little bit of his offense because of the hash marks in college but you know, I, I always think Keyshawn Johnson, but you, you always tell me he's only 6'1", Mike. And then I look at A.J. Green, 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, you know, I think Wesley has a good opportunity to, to, to be in the back end of the roster. Could be a practice squad guy. He's going to have to play on teams. Hey, hey, hey. We're big
0: fans of Antoine Wesley, apparently, in the Mike Jurecki household. Riley loves it. Causing a stir here on Cardinals Cover <laughs> 2, presented by Hyundai. Proud partner Pricey. of the Delta Cardinals.
1: Crazy. Yeah. You, you like Wesley? <laughs> Here he's coming in now. He's guard dogging it out there. Sorry about that. But, anyways, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think the, the thing about, let's get back to Julio just for a second. I mean, I, I don't think that would um, slow the growth of the process of Rondell Moore. I think Moore's going to exceed on special teams, and if they really want to go three and four wide, you get your best playmakers on the field. And again, I think he's. 40 or 50 catches, A.J. Green's gonna be somewhere in there. I don't know how much Christian Kirk's gonna see the ball. Um, so uh, there's there's some options there. It's just, you, Rondell Moore has to dress, he's gonna dress every Sunday because of his return ability. And I would think Christian Kirk, um, I'm curious to see what Sean, Sean Jefferson thinks of him because there is some upside. We know that Kirk can, you know, he was maybe not as fast or he didn't have uh, the the size, but he's made some clutch catches with Kyler Murray. So um, I I think Wesley is a guy that, you know, the back end of the roster, if they keep six or seven, he may be an option.
0: Well, and I'm not so much worried about a Christian Kirk if I'm looking at trying to figure out who makes the 53-man roster come September, because I do think there is a spot for him. It's an Andy Isabella, it's a Keyshawn Johnson, it's guys that have had their moments They've had their time, and so far it's clear based off what we've seen so far with the drafting of Rondell Moore with the addition of Antoine Wesley. You're not making this move or these moves if you are confident that an Isabella and a Johnson are going to be players, major players, role players in your offense. You're just not going to, but we continue to look at the wide receiver room because outside of d Hop there is not much towards the future. I mean, 2022, 2023, Kirk, Isabella, Johnson, they're all entering the final year of their contract. So you have question marks. And I think that's why everyone points to wide receiver when it comes to where does this offense go, move forward, not so much in 2021, but beyond this season.
1: Yeah, and I think that was why it was important if they couldn't get a wide receiver in the first round. Uh, they would take one in the second round and you got Rondell Moore now basically on a, under a rookie contract for the next four or five years. So, yeah, I I, I agree with you. It's it's we got to find out if these – Kirsten Kirk, to me, is going to make the roster. I don't know about Isabella and Keyshawn, but that's something we'll have to – now, as for Larry, I assume if the Suns continue to win and it's only one game, um, he's probably not going to make any announcement because he, he would never do that and, you know, they get out of the first round, and it's another couple of weeks. So uh, Larry's uh, been right there at every Suns game and obviously very happy that they uh, pulled off the win yesterday against the Lakers.
0: Yeah, sitting courtside at Phoenix Suns Arena, which I'm guessing he'll be on Tuesday and then travel to Los Angeles for games three and four. So we know where Fitz is. We just don't know where he's going to be come September.
1: Yeah, and now we're getting to June 1st. I mean, they said he's going to take some time. It's almost June 1st. I guess we're another week away, but... As long as the Suns are playing, I don't see any decision. I don't have any insight. Um, he, I know he's enjoying this run because, you know, he's been close to Sarver and he's been a mentor, and I know Sarver's taken a lot of criticism, rightfully so, but in this time you got to give him credit for hiring James Jones and hiring Monty Williams. I mean, they're, they're a different team.
0: Yeah, best of luck, by the way, to the Phoenix Suns throughout this entire postseason and specifically right now as they face the Lakers in the first round as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A disclaimer here before we dive into our next topic and the disclaimer comes from Cardinals Director of Player Personnel, Drew Grigson who on the most recent edition of the Big Red Rage asked a lot about the 2021 draft class and had this to say, quote, we don't know anything until those guys pad up, end quote. And I'm glad he said it because he said a lot of other incredible things speaking with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley. And he's absolutely right because everyone, and I'll go back to what Bruce Arians would always used to say, everyone looks good in shorts. T-shirts and a helmet in May, June, and then what happens when, quote-unquote, the lights come on in August and September when you get into the preseason and a regular season. So we don't know a whole heck of a lot, but it's better to have at least a first impression, as we discussed on our last Cardinals Cover 2 show, and the first impression has been very, very good. So the disclaimer is this. Again, you don't know anything about these players until the pads come on. That was the quotes the comments from Drew Grigson but some other comments that I do think we need to touch on MJ and that is the fact that I think the strongest statements to date about Zayvon Collins and the plan for Zayvon Collins moving forward we know he is going to be a Mike linebacker we know the plan is for him to be a starter what that means for Jordan Hicks we don't know but it doesn't seem like the position, the moment, is going to be too big for Zayvon Collins. Based on Grigson's comments, he called Collins a special player, sideline to sideline player, athletic, obviously because of his size. But in those three days during the rookie minicamp, Grigson was quick to point out how, quote, comfortable Collins looked and sounded calling the defense, and commanding the huddle. That phrase you've used a lot because, as we've heard from former players, you know, you get that wide-eyed rookie in a huddle, all of a sudden all eyes are staring at you, whether that's a young rookie quarterback or, in this case, the quarterback of the defense. How do you handle that position? And, yes, you're amongst fellow rookies, but it does first impression, again, Bird Gang, that Collins is aware of the situation and is, quote-unquote, comfortable in that situation
1: yeah and some of the other things he pointed out and, and, and this is pretty impressive and that's why you know you look at drew grigson director of player personnel and when he says we don't know until guys pad up that's that's a scout right there i mean that that's where he cut his teeth but the fact that he uh he pointed out quote i expect zavin to know where buddha is supposed to be where jj is supposed to be where Chandler's supposed to be. That's his job. Again, that's why we drafted him. And that's, again, the confidence that we have in him and we expect uh, of him going forward. So, I mean, that's a lot on your plate. Um, But uh, those three days, and obviously, I'm sure they had more practices. Um, We haven't got a chance to get out there, but the fact that Drew Rickson can watch practice and then go in there and watch film, you could see it. And again, Bruce is right. They're not even in shells. It's just helmets and jerseys and shorts and it's more where you're lining up and that impressed me that first practice he got guys lined up and it carried over to the film room
0: and again this is what you want to hear as opposed to the opposite of you know he's swimming out there and maybe we will get to that point but right now as we speak in mid-may it's all about these first impressions and it's very limited information that we have right now. So we have to rely on those that see the entire practice that go back and watch the film, something that you and I, MJ, we don't have the luxury to do that. So when Drew Grigson says that the command of the huddle and the comfortability, and he knows where everyone is supposed to line up and that's you know three days into quote unquote his pro career, it does bode well. You're now on course, you're on track, to be that Mike linebacker, the quarterback of the defense. I kind of liken it to running a marathon. You don't go out and just decide to run a marathon and in the next week you're running a marathon. It's a slow build to where you get your endurance and you work your body into shape to where you can handle those 26 plus miles. And here we are in mid-May, we're not asking Collins to be that quarterback of the defense now. It's September week one against the Titans that he has to be that guy and he's jumping in or the Cardinals are pushing him in both feet into the deep end, so to speak, and it's sink or swim. And right now the Cardinals from their comments seem to be very comfortable that he is going to be able to swim and not only just swim, but swim very well.
1: And we'll, we'll talk about the flight plan uh, getting it release, but uh, Steve Kine made it very clear that. Day one starter. Uh, I don't know if he was talking to Billy Davis or Vance. He said, "I got your guy, uh, day one starter." And then obviously Cliff picked on that, and, and I think it's very clear. Um, and and really, we haven't talked about what this means for Isaiah Simmons because, you know, obviously he was swimming last year. And now when we go back to Collins, when the veterans get there, you know, he, you know, he'll, he'll have to, you know, fi- at some point he'll figure out where guys are lined up, but. Um, but he'll get the off-season OTAs. Um, he'll get at least three preseason games. Who knows if he plays in the third one? And then we'll see what happens in the opener uh, on the road against the Titans. So I think this is going to take a little pressure off of Isaiah Simmons, based on him not having to make the calls. Because that's again one thing that I respect from Bertrand. He's played this position before. I don't know. I, I know it was at Tulsa, but he's played the position before. So you know, it's not like he's learning a whole new position. And I think that's why Steve made it very clear. He's not a hybrid player. He is a Mike linebacker.
0: And that's what B-Train was referring to whenever we bring up Zayvon Collins on the Red Sea reports is you're not asking Collins to do something that he is not familiar with. You're not asking him to get out of his quote unquote comfort zone and do a lot of different things. He was that quarterback of the defense at Tulsa. Now he's going to do it. With the Cardinals. Yes, there's a huge difference between college and the pro, but you could still use what you learned in college and how you got ready for that game on Saturday to now you're getting ready for a game on Sunday. So I do think it bodes well that we're hearing a lot of this stuff. And then during the 20, 25 minutes that we had on that Friday, MJ, you notice it right off the bat. Not only do you see Collins getting players to where they're supposed to be, but you hear him. And I think that means more than anything, don't be timid in that huddle. Be confident because guys are looking at you, not just your fellow rookies, but when the veterans come in and report, now all of a sudden you've got a Chandler Jones, a J.J. Watt, a Buda Baker. They're going to be looking at you even though you have zero games on your resume and you're talking about all pros and pro bowlers that are now looking to you for direction. It's a fascinating Conversation and it's certainly different from what I think we've seen because usually you want that veteran to lead the rookies. Now all of a sudden it's a rookie leading the veterans.
1: Yeah, and I think when you look at J.J. Uh, Watt and between him and Jordan Phillips, they'll kind of be the anchors uh, of the D line there. Look at the linebacking core on the outside; it'd be Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones. Inside you have Collins and then Simmons. And then you got Buda Baker, and I think Malcolm Butler will take some responsibility because he's kind of you know, a really veteran guy. Hopefully, Alfred could stay healthy. Byron Murphy, I thought was their best corner last year. Maybe that's not saying a lot the way Patrick played, but I'll give him credit. So I think in each group you're going to have leaders that will obviously he will lean on because he he's never played in the, in the NFL. We know the game's a lot faster, and if they see something on film, maybe after the first month of the season, they're trying to attack them like Kyle Shanahan did with, with Isaiah Simmons. Those are the guys you lean on, but he's going to be making the calls, So he and, and like Grigson said, he's going to know where all these guys are supposed to be lined up because if, if he doesn't know, then maybe he takes the wrong angle, and the play goes for, instead of a three-yard run, for a 10-yard run.
0: And I think it's important to note that veteran presence in all of those rooms and even on the field. And each of those players, MJ, have some familiarity with this defense outside of maybe a Malcolm Butler. But J.J. Watt has played in this defense. Chandler Jones has played in this defense. Buda Baker has played in this defense. It's not like it was in 2019. Vance Joseph gets here and he has to rely on Jordan Hicks. And Hicks was basically telling everyone where to go literally as the quarterback is under center i don't expect that to happen because yeah hicks is or excuse me collins is making the calls but you know that watt is aware of where he needs to be chandler jones knows what he has to do Buda baker knows his responsibility and i think to your point that does lessen the pressure the burden if you will on a rookie's shoulders to make sure that the defense is set for that particular snap But it is still a lot to ask, but I do think they're operating with a solid foundation because one, Collins has played the position and two, he's got veterans around him that can help guide him. And then all of a sudden you put all this together and hopefully you've got a defense that in year three under Vance Joseph continues to get better. And they were darn good a year ago. And you just hope that that is happening early because we know how tough the schedule is coming out of the gate with the Titans and Vikings, specifically when we talk about those running backs, Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook.
1: The biggest difference, you know, going back to when the Cardinals selected Isaiah Simmons with the eighth overall pick, he had played nine different positions in college. And then they they wanted to slow play him um, at linebacker. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, he maybe the first month of the season was still kind of his head was spinning he was was struggling and then he got a chance to play on teams but the fact that the parallel what i'm getting at is collins he's played this position where isaiah they are trying to find a role and and i think it was very clear when steve made the pick that he is a mike linebacker so i think it settles things down of what they want to uh, and the expectations for isaiah and then him and Gregson had some other comments about some of the other rookie class.
0: Yeah, well, before we get into that, I just want yeah. to note this as well. It's not just the Cardinals that are confident in Collins, but Vegas is as well. And I don't know if you saw this, MJ, but you know, for entertainment purposes here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Collins is among the betting favorites for NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's got the fourth best odds behind Micah Parsons, who's with the Cowboys, Jalen Phillips with the Dolphins, and then Quiddie Pay of the Colts and Jamin Davis of Washington, they come in tied with the third best odds. So, and we do, I mean, it's not unheard of. I mean, if you're going to be that starter day one, he is going, talking about Collins, going to be on the field for a ton of snaps, and if you can have the results if you can have the production at an inside linebacker position when you're talking about tackles tfls maybe some sacks maybe some pass defenses maybe an interception then all of a sudden yeah if he does especially get off to a good start and this team is winning i can certainly see collins up there amongst the other rookies as far as being that defensive rookie of the year
1: yeah i think micah parsons if he's going to man that middle linebacker spot um that clearly i mean Is he going to play every snap? He's going to play the majority of the snaps. Uh, Phillips in Miami, they're more of a rotation guy, but he's a guy that can do a couple different things. Quiddy Pay, Quiddy Pay is a guy that, um, you know, probably rotation. But you look at this, uh, Jamin. Riley,
0: a big fan of (laughs) Quiddy (laughs) Pay.
1: Riley. Anyways, you look at um, Jamin Davis. That guy looks like LeVar Arrington. Does, yeah,
0: fills it, out the uniform. It,
1: yeah, yeah. And, they got, and they got that front four. So you got to think he's going to be a scraper. He's going to be at a, you know, if they can get pressure up front with that those high draft picks, including Chase Young and, you know, Ryan Kerrigan, I'm surprised they let him go into the division. But, yeah, I, I really think uh, you look at Davis, he's going to get a lot of playing time. And one thing I think when we look at uh, zaven Collins is that he should fill up the stat sheet. Four or five tackles, hopefully a couple tackle for losses, um, maybe a couple passes defense if they want to try to throw over him. So, stats wise, he. Sh- but you know, ultimately it's a team game, and you want to get the win. But I, I do think he could be one of the top three or guy three or four guys when it comes to actual stats.
0: Well, if you look at the man that he's penciled in or put in ink to replace, Jordan Hicks had a hundred plus tackles each of his first two seasons as a Mike linebacker, so it wouldn't be. Out of the question to have Zayvon Collins put up some numbers at that spot. And yeah, Collins and that entire 2021 draft class is going to be a major focal point and focus of the next episode of Flight Plan, episode two, titled First Class. It debuts on May 24th, and Bergang, depending on when you happen to listen to this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, could already be up and available. Just go to the Cardinals' official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Cardinals. All right, let's get back to what Drew Grigson on the Big Red Rage had to say about some of the other players in Zayvon Collins' draft class. And let's go with the day two pick. Rondell Moore, who we all anticipate to be one excellent on special teams and then maybe find his way into the offense, maybe even sooner rather than later. But the speed of a Rondell Moore, we know what he ran at his pro day, a 4 But now you put him in, I wouldn't say a uniform during rookie minicamp, but get him in a helmet and, you know, a uniform top and some shorts and you put him out there amongst his peers. And according to Grigson. This kid teleports. He doesn't just change direction. And then Grigson said he overheard a defensive coach say, quote, this kid looks quick in slow motion, end quote. So there you get the elements. And it's not just speed running north-south in a straight line. I think what we're going to see and what we hope to see is that jitterbug that Kingsbury used to describe Rondell Moore when you get him all in space or there's a defender in his way It's the lateral movement, it's running east-west, it's dodging tacklers, it's making tacklers miss, which he did great in 2018. And the ability to get yards after catch, yards after contact, is what I think the Cardinals really hope separates Rondell Moore from an Andy Isabella or maybe even a Christian Kirk down the road
1: first impression he's 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 put together really well i mean i know that people are going to mention his size but like i said these six foot three linebackers and some of these six foot one cornerbacks i mean sometimes you got to go a little bit you got to get a little bit lower so yeah i'm fascinated how they're going to use him. and you just see his lower uh, extremities and body and in his calves and his thighs where you can see he's so fast when he turns his hips to go up the field so yeah i'm really excited about him and uh we've we've kind of focused on you know getting better with the the team as a whole on special teams and i think he's gonna have a big role but i I also think he's gonna be part of the rotation he could be the third or fourth receiver there's he's gonna dress every week as long as he's healthy
0: and i like his attitude because the second time we had a chance to hear from him yeah day two pick he didn't go in the first round we chronicled how he worked out later that night after the first round great story by kyle odegaard on azcardinals.com but according to more quote in my head i'm a first round talent regardless of the circumstances that's how i'll continue to think end quotes and this kid you talk about a chip on someone's shoulder it's it's not a chip it's a giant boulder if you will because he's always had to have someone say something about his height his weight and you just can't succeed, whether that's high school, college, or now at the NFL level. So you know he's looking to prove everyone wrong and prove the Cardinals' right. and he's very appreciative that the Cardinals did take a quote-unquote chance, if you will, maybe from the outside, not from Moore's perspective, but that they invested a second-round pick in someone that they've said publicly needs to play early and often.
1: I like to pick. I, I mean, again, I think, you know, we were all looking at corner and you, clearly they zeroed in on Xavier and Collins. We didn't really pick on it until about two weeks before the draft, but uh, you know, and then, so you go with the best available player in their book. And then, you know, if AJ or Asante Samuel Jr. was there, he went two picks earlier to the chargers and that's how it works. So they stuck with their board and they had him ranked very high. He, he was, you know, obviously the top three receivers between uh, Smith, um, Jamar Chase, and then you throw in Waddle, there was a little bit of drop-off, but the fact that the Cardinals, uh, I think um, Dan Brugler had him ranked as his 50th overall player, and the Cardinals got him at 49.
0: And that's someone that should contribute, and I think, yeah, on special teams, because that's one area that you can make an immediate impact, and someone who has the experience, you're not asking him to do something he doesn't already had the experience to do he returned kicks he returned punts at Purdue and was very very good at it especially in 2018
1: yeah and i think that's the difference when you draft kyler murray and take byron murphy at 33 now again andy isabella has been a disappointment at 62 but you know i'm just glad they drafted byron murphy knowing that patrick's contract was going to expire they were hoping alford would be able to stay healthy but you know um, that's what you got to get from your first round picks and second-round picks, and sometimes a third-round pick. But this year they didn't have one. They moved up to get a corner, and so that obviously helped them out to settle things down there besides their top three guys. So, yeah, the, I think Steve would be the first to admit you got to hit on these these uh, first, second, and the third, but then you build a, the, your roster with rounds four through seven. Those are your undrafted free agents. Those are the guys that are going to be on teams and are not going to cost you a lot of money. But you've got to hit on these first uh, three rounds, and, again, they didn't have a third-round pick this year.
0: And again, as we talk about this draft class, it's important to remember the disclaimer from Drew Grigson. We don't know anything until those guys pad up. And it's going to be fascinating to watch Rondell Moore, not only in pads, but just lining up opposite perhaps a Byron Murphy or maybe even a Malcolm Butler. You know, how does he get off the line of scrimmage or when he is fielding kicks, whether it's kickoffs or punt return? So it does seem to be again, something to pay attention to, but what we're all looking at right now is what we're hearing and what we're seeing. And that's what we're basing off a lot of these conversations here in the off season, just because there's certainly a limited amount of information that we get our own selves. A couple of other players that Grigson was asked about and discussed and Victor DiMuchegi, the outside linebacker out of Duke, four-year starter, certainly is wearing a number that Bertram Berry is very proud of, and that's number 92. But according to Grigson, Victor, all business, and called him a hard-charging ball of muscle. So if he can find a role, again, probably more so on special teams, but then perhaps get into that rotation because you know Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, and then, you know, Devon Kennard, what is his role? Dennis Gardeck, what's his health status? There is room. There is an opportunity there, perhaps. I don't know how many snaps. I don't think it would be a lot. But behind those names, you've got Kylie Fitz. You've got Reggie Walker. There's some experience there. It's it's just you're looking for depth. And you hope Chandler Jones never comes off the field. And Marcus Golden does play 75% of the snaps. But you do need guys in the event something happens or you're looking to give someone a blow and have them get some rest on the sidelines
1: yeah i mean i he looks the part um and the fact that he played four years at duke um that goes a long way and just you know football iq and just smarts you know yeah i mean i I think he's got a role um you know we'll see on special teams but you know the fact is you know to me he's a guy that we can maybe plug in as a starter in the future that's got to be the goal down the road Marcus is under contract two years. Chandler's on the final year of his contract. You mentioned Kylie uh, Pitts; he, he he's under contract, and we think yeah maybe a one year deal. And then you know you got Zeke Turner inside. So yeah, I mean I, I do think it's, a, it's it's more of a you know a future pick. But if he has to play, um, the fact that he's got a ton of starts and he's a smart guy, you just hope there's not a huge drop off when he's in there.
0: It is a lofty expectation for a sixth-round pick to be that starter, but who knows? He did average eight sacks his last two seasons at Duke. The other player, Grigson, talked about Marco Wilson, and this is someone that I know that the Cardinals hope hits because, yeah, even though he was a day-three pick, he was a fourth-round selection, someone the Cardinals liked enough to go up into the draft and trade with the Baltimore Ravens and select with 136th overall pick. Six feet, 191 pounds, but it's the experience, according to Grigson, that Wilson got in the SEC that will help Marco Wilson in that transition. Because in the SEC, you're going up against pro players week in and week out. So a lot of these players that he'll match up with on Sundays, he matched up with on Saturdays.
1: Yeah, you just take a look at who's been drafted over the last couple of years between, like, Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. I know Lamb played in a different conference. And then this year between Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase, and then you throw in Devontae Smith. Yeah, I mean, that there's no better conference than playing. that. And you look at the draft when it's all said and done, they have the most players drafted. And maybe sometimes the ACC or the, or the Big Ten because of linemen and, you know, et cetera. But, yeah, I mean – I watched a couple highlights when, they, when the Cardinals picked him and he was going against Waddle and he had a pass breakup in the end zone. Don't know Waddle's numbers throughout that game. And the fact that he's got some versatility where he can play inside and outside. Um, but again, I think competition, it's its a little different here. You got to have better quarterbacks. A lot of times, you know, maybe you don't have two, two really good corners or in the NFL, you want to have at least two or three. So it's going to be a little bit different than in the NFL. You got to have two or three wide receivers. So a little bit different but the fact that he went against guys that were high draft picks in the last couple years uh that makes sense that you know the conference will help him overall
0: started 35 of 36 games and was a starter as a true freshman which is unheard of especially at a school like florida but you go back to his pro day and what he showed running a 437 43 and a half vertical even though he out jumped the Vertec, and that was a day in which everyone came to see Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, and all of a sudden, here's Marco Wilson doing what he did as far as, you know, setting the bar high for expectations. And I do think that if you want to include a Marco Wilson with Rondell Moore and Zayvon Collins as far as draft picks that you hope to see play, maybe even that first month or first couple of games, I do think that's the expectation that the Cardinals have. Whether it's realistic or not, I don't know. We'll get a better idea once training camp hits. But because of what the cornerback's room looks like at the moment, with not a lot of depth, especially not a lot of experienced depth outside of Butler and Robert Alford, there could be a way for Marco Wilson to get some defensive snaps relatively early in the season.
1: Yeah. And you look at Tay Gowan, I mean, it it all depends how many safeties they keep. So... From that standpoint, I mean, usually, but I I would say right now, and I and I'm I'm in agreement with you. I still think they're going to have to bring in some veteran corners. It it could be the, the week of training camp. I think you want to get through your OTAs right now. Their roster, they may have an open spot, but that's fluctuate. You can that's that's fluent. You can always cut a guy or bring somebody else in, like they did with Wesley. So, but I I would think on paper he's your number. He's number four right now.
0: Based off of how the roster sets up, yeah. Butler, Alford, Murphy, Wilson would be your four as far as depth chart. And now perhaps there's some movement. And then if you don't like what you see this offseason or early part of training camp, then yeah, you go out and find someone who's still available. Because there are are a number of cornerbacks that are on the market that have yet to be signed. And everyone, everyone points to Richard Sherman. But just even in addition to Richard Sherman, the list is very long.
1: And again, if the Cardinals are looking for you know guys to play more zone, which you know that's not their forte, even though they may play a little bit of zone based on their personnel, yeah, you, you need an outside corner. I think you have a nice uh, situation um, if Wilson can play inside, and then you got Chase Whitaker there, and then you also have Brian Murphy. So I think more outside guys they need right there. And there's a couple of veteran guys out there. And again, Um, you know, 85 to 90, the roster's always fluid. So if they want to make a move. But I I just think you want to get through your OTAs and your mandatory camp. And then you kind of reevaluate things and and try to find out. Because at this point, guys probably don't want to come to training camp if they're a veteran, I get that, or don't want to go to offseason workouts. And then at this point, they're really not going to get a ton of money. It's going to be a minimum deal based on being active on game day. If you hit a certain um, tackles or sacks or interceptions, that's how you're going to make... Uh, more uh, incentive. So uh, at this point in time, it's really not about money, it's about fit.
0: Yeah, and there are some guys that might panic a little bit and just want a job, but I get what you're saying because, you know, there's still plenty of time. Now, the reverse of that or the, the, the opposite is, well, don't you want to get somewhere so you can learn the playbook, whether that's offense or defense, so you're not behind the eight ball. But I think if you're signing right now, you're already kind of behind the eight ball because You're someone that's, I wouldn't say a filler, but you're someone that, you know, free agency is come and gone. The draft has come and gone. And now all of a sudden it's like the third part of the offseason, which is basically you hope on field work. And then if you're still out there and available, you know, just what is your value to a specific team? You're probably their case of an emergency. You're, You're more of a depth guy, not someone to come in and start right away.
1: I look back at when they brought in Dre, Dre Kirkpatrick and also Jonathan Joseph. So I, I think if you're a veteran corner, it's just what is your job? Are you playing man-press? Um, do you have over-the-top help? Because I think if Butler draws the assignment on any speed guy, he's going to need over-the-top help. So I think these guys, they you've know usually you played in different systems. Obviously, you know Vance has ties to both Kirkpatrick and Jonathan Joseph. I know Joseph a little bit long in the tooth, but I think if you played in their systems, yeah, there's little tweaks, uh, you know, maybe different calls, terminology, vocabulary, but I think those guys can plug in and play right away.
0: We continue here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, referencing a lot of what Drew Grigson had to say on the most recent edition of the Big Red Rage. Grigson, the Cardinals director of player personnel, so he is very well aware of what these draft picks can do and should do at the pro level but speaking of the big red rage and cardinals cover two make sure you subscribe to arizona cardinals podcast either on apple Podcasts, google play music tune stitcher and soundcloud that way you can never miss a favorite show whether that's this one the big red rage cardinals underground and of course the red sea report just go to azcardinals.com podcast for more information We are working our way towards week one at the Titans and, of course, week two, the home opener against the Minnesota Vikings and the return of Patrick Peterson. Season and single game tickets are available on sale now. Just go to azcardinals.com slash gametix. That's azcardinals.com slash gametix. You mentioned something earlier, MJ, about when we were having our discussion about Zayvon Collins and kind of getting lost in the shuffle or overshadowed is the guy that we all expect to be lined up next to him. Whenever Kime or Kingsbury bring up inside linebackers, it's Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. Well, Simmons, I guess you could say had an up and down first year, but there is an expectation. Again, there's that word coming out of the Arizona Cardinals especially from the coaching staff and this is from defensive coordinator Vance Joseph saw this over the weekend Jim Trotter who does an excellent job covering the NFL for the NFL network he had a conversation or he was talking about a recent conversation he had with coach Joseph with respect to Simmons who according to Joseph via Trotter quote has to be their fixer in the weekly game plan He's going to be that guy in terms of matchups from week to week, where they can use him in different positions. End quote. So, kind of parsing words here. So, if you've got Simmons as an inside linebacker, David Collins is an inside linebacker. That's where he'll stay. But you perhaps see Simmons maybe at inside linebacker, but depending on matchups, down addition, the opponent that week, he's at inside. He's at outside. He's at slot corner. He's playing deep safety. A lot of the stuff we saw a year ago, but now with a year under his belt, maybe the coaching staff and Simmons more comfortable in doing a little bit more with Isaiah Simmons.
1: Yeah, I've been preaching this for a long time when it comes to Isaiah Simmons. Just give him an entire offseason. And, you know, I know these guys work out on their own, and, you know, he's still a young player, still kind of learning the position, but you give him an offseason. Um, you, you, obviously, you want to see him get a little stronger, he's very athletic, he's tall. And then on the other side of that, it's it's give him three preseason games. And when you get three preseason games, that's going to help because of the speed of the game, it gets a little bit, you only can do so much in camp and then you get tired of hitting the same guys and you want to protect your team going into the season, you want to make sure they're fresh. but. No I'm expecting big things from him and and we talk about you know hicks getting all those tackles well so somebody's going to have to get some of those tackles, but I like the fact that that he's totally different than Collins. he's going to move around. I like to see him rush the passer I know he can um you know he may cover slot receivers he may have to cover the tight ends down the field but i, I i've I've been banging that drum. he just needs an offseason because last year. It was just a lot thrown on his plate. And they wanted to slow play him, but based on injuries and you know different uh, um, sub packages, he did get an opportunity. And again, we look at that interception and, and also his sack on Russell Wilson. So I think you can build off of that.
0: I'll point to three parts of the season a year ago, three key moments for Isaiah Simmons. One is week one at San Francisco. Without an offseason, without a preseason, The 49ers targeted the young rookie and exploited the young rookie. And then, you know, I don't know if it did anything to his confidence, but we didn't see a lot from Simmons after week one. Remember that Sunday night football game against the Seahawks at State Farm Stadium. He was only in the field for five snaps, but it was the interception of Russell Wilson that Vance Joseph afterwards pointed to and said, that's kind of where things started to click the light bulb went on and then you look at the second meeting against the seahawks week 11 simmons had a season high 10 tackles two tackles for loss and his first career sack and there was progress being made over those last nine games to where yeah if you're the coaching staff you look back at the film and say we know what he's capable of doing and with a year under his belt to your point mj why not let's do what we set out to do a year ago but just probably couldn't because they had no they didn't have him in the building they didn't have him on the field and really at that point it's unfair to a player to kind of put him out there when he's not ready
1: last year i want to say marcus golden who's one of the better players being mic'd up and he made a plane he came to the silence and he's like maybe that was Hassan, maybe it was Simmons too, that they said, I can do this. I, you know, Once you have a little success, then you start to build off of it. But I, I'm bullish on Isaiah Simmons. I, I like the pick and I thought he got better. And he's also become a, a really good special teams player. I mean, he can run. He can run like a deer down the sidelines and you know, try to make a tackle, if not pinch the guy to the sidelines where somebody else can come up and clean up. So um, I and, and and Craig, one of the reasons why he was in that on the in that game is Jordan Hicks was on the sidelines.
0: That's right. There was an issue, and all of a sudden we saw Simmons, we saw Tanner Vallejo, and all of a sudden it's like, what, what what's going on here? There's an issue. There's something wrong. But both of those players, Simmons and Vallejo, stepped up big in that fourth quarter and overtime.
1: Vallejo, with the uh, the run stuff stuff and then Russell Wilson obviously didn't receivers didn't have the hot read in other words where he's getting pressured um, they have to change their route and that's where Simmons jumped the route but yeah Vallejo and, and and Simmons really played a role in that victory against the Seahawks
0: going back to what Jim Trotter had to say on the NFL Network based off his conversation with coach Joseph on Isaiah Simmons Joseph is expecting, quote, a huge improvement from Simmons in year two. And I don't think that's any question we should debate that at all. But Joseph did pass along this nugget to Crotter that Simmons, quote, was the best rookie defensive player in the league last year with this caveat. If you look at his progress from training camp to the end of the season, so if you book in 2020 training camp to the end of week 17, in Joseph's mind, the best defensive rookie was Isaiah Simmons based off the improvement the growth if you will that Simmons made in year one and that was without an offseason
1: yeah I, I, you know I, I can appreciate that and you could see that how he was training but I think I think Chase Young had a really good year now again they have other players that his natural position was he wasn't asked to drop back into coverage he wasn't asked to learn three different positions but I, I you could see uh, the growth and he, the athleticism's there, the f- football IQ's there, the passion's there. He, he works hard. He wants to be good. If not great. Yeah, so that's encouraging because the last thing you want to say is, well, he took a step back. You you have to show progress, and that obviously they see more than we do.
0: Yeah, and it's why that they're so bullish on the fact that you can pair these two guys together, even though they've got hardly any experience at all. And that's why there is concern, at least from my standpoint, as far as why you've got veterans At every other spot, yet at inside linebacker, you're relying on two young players. Though, as we discussed, maybe those veterans kind of uplift, lift the young Simmons, young Collins to where everyone's on the same page and there's not a lot of confusion. And that year three on the defensive end goes smoothly and you see some production, you see some turnovers, you see some three and outs to help the offense where they can do what they're supposed to do.
1: Like I said earlier, though, I, I think with J.J. Watt kind of manning the, uh, the D-line and then Chandler and Marcus and then obviously Zavian, and then I think Malcolm Butler would take more of a, a leadership role just based on experience. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, these guys are going to be asked to make plays and in, in not three or four yards down the line of scrimmage because if they're getting a push up front, they should be tackled for losses. We talk about getting that quarterback off his spot. But I do like the layers where they have experienced guys that can help out these young guys.
0: So going back to how we began this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The expectations. Yes, they're high, but the coaching staff, they're the ones that are kind of setting the expectations for Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. Now we all have to wait and see, although we will get a glimpse of that in episode two of Cardinals Flight Plan titled First Class, which chronicles the 2021 draft class. You can watch all episodes of Flight Plan on the Cardinals official YouTube channel, youtube.com/slash az Cardinals.